But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Welcome to St Andrew's Cathedral on this Christmas Eve celebration. My name is Philip Jensen and I'm very glad that you're here with us on this great occasion. Look forward to your sharing in the wonderful music of Christmas with us. Have you ever walked in the darkness? Have you ever walked in the shadow of death? Have you ever walked under the judgment of God, under the fear of death, under the knowledge of our failure, of our guilt? Because tonight there's great news. There's great news of the light at the end of the tunnel. Now, of course, people who have never been in the tunnel, a little bit of light, they've got no attraction to them. But those of us, those of us who have been in the shadow of death, those who have been walking in the darkness, those who have been conscious of our guilt before God, that little light is the hope that keeps us alive. And that little light is what we're speaking of tonight. Because that light has come when Christ was born and his name is Wonderful Counselor and he is the mighty God, the everlasting Father. Why, he is the Prince of Peace. Now tonight we're going to celebrate our Redeemer's birth. And as we celebrate our Redeemer's birth, if you look on your order here on the sheet, at the top on the inside there, there's Bible readings on one side. I know there's lots of paper warfare, but... Up at the top there in red is the text that we're going to be using tonight. It comes from Galatians. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And that's the text we're going to keep on working our way through because there's one of the Bible verses that explains to us Christmas, explains to us the birth of Jesus. God's purpose is twofold. One is redemption. The other is adoption. He wants to redeem us out of a bad scene and adopt us into a new life. He wants to redeem us from being under the law in order to make us members of his family. First thing we need to be clear about, though, is what this word redeem means. We know adopt, that's a fairly easy word, but redeem. The word redeem and redemption came from the slave markets, which were very common in first century Roman world, of course. But it's the idea, it's the concept of being a captive, of being a prisoner, of being in somehow kidnapped or imprisoned by somebody else. And so the word redeem means to be rescued. The word redeem means to be ransomed. It means to be purchased, purchasing our freedom, liberated by purchasing. Our text says that Jesus was born to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions of sons. 
It assumes that we're in captivity, so we'll need to sort that out. It assumes we're in captivity, and somehow God has sent his son to release us from that captivity, to, to, to bring us out, to purchase us, but not only to release us from the captivity, but to give us the freedom of the household, to be family members with him. It's wonderful news. But the people who love it most are the people who know about their captivity. If you never knew you'd been kidnapped, never knew you'd been imprisoned, you don't appreciate the freedom that has been won for you. If you've been born in a free society, freedom doesn't matter much to you. But when you've been in a captive society, being freed is wonderful. And that's what makes singing the praises of God at Christmas in the carols so special. Because it's more than just the fun of singing. Singing's fun, but it's more than the fun of singing. These carols are the very expression of who we are. Liberated captives. If you know that liberation, these carols are fantastic. A couple of hundred years ago, a man called Wesley, he knew of that liberation and he wrote our next carol, Hark the Herald Angel Sings. And in the last verse, you see, he speaks of born that man no more may die. There's the sense of redemption, purchased out of death. And then he writes of born to give them second birth. And there's the idea of adoption. I've been purchased out of death and captivity in order that I might live in the family of God. Let's stand and sing this incredibly wonderful carol together. Hark, the herald angels sing. Sounds like you brought your voices with you. That was marvellous to hear, wasn't it? Thank you for it. We look forward to some more singing together. What we're going to deal with, as you look at the outline there, are three great themes in that verse. God's preparation... God's action and God's purpose. That's the structure of this evening. All coming from that verse, they're the three themes. So we start with God's preparation. Notice how the verse starts, but when the fullness of time had come, because God had been preparing this for a very long time. In particular, he had two aspects of preparation. That is, he gave Israel a redemption. And he also gave Israel the law which gave them their captivity. They were slaves in Egypt and he redeemed them. He purchased them out of slavery and then took them to Mount Sinai where he gave them the law. You'll find in the back of your outline the Ten Commandments. Let's hear from up in the organ loft where we'll hear them written and spoken to us from on high. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods but me. You shall not make for yourself a graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the, on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labour and do all you have to do, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. 
Honour your father and your mother. You shall do no murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbour. You shall not covet anything that is your neighbour's. Did you notice how the Ten Commandments actually start? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of slavery. See, there's the redemption. He redeemed them under Moses. You remember the Moses, the ten plagues, the last one, of course, the firstborn child dying, the crossing of the Red Sea. God purchased them out of their slavery. That's the great redemption. But then he shows them that they are still in slavery because he provides for them ten commandments that show of the real slavery. It wasn't under Pharaoh, it's under our own sinfulness. And the law teaches us that, that you are still in captivity. That is what the law does. Let me show it to you. Pick a law here. You shall not covet. Ever broken that one? Ever been envious? Ever desired other people's things, other people's reputations, other people's? What about, Lord, just work up there. Shall not bear false witness. Have you ever said the wrong thing about somebody? Repeated it? Repeated the gossip that wasn't true? Told the lie? Told the lie to them? You ever born well? Do I need to work my way up to get you out of 10 out of 10? <laughs> See, what the law does is it condemns us. That's what the law does. It's not what people expect. That is, you think God's law is there to save, but it didn't save them, just the reverse. God's law judges people and holds them imprisoned under condemnation. That's the purpose, or one of the key purposes. Listen to the New Testament. I've got three readings from the New Testament, which you'll see on your sheet there. They're the first three readings from Romans and Galatians. Listen to what the New Testament says about the role and place of the law. Romans three nineteen to 20. Whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. All who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Thank you, Gay. Galatians 3, 23 to 24 says, Before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. You see, the law doesn't solve our problem at all. Romans chapter 3, it gives us the knowledge of sin. How do you know what is sin? How do you know what is not sin? It's God who gives us the law. 
and in Galatians chapter 3, it curses us. If we don't keep the law and all the law in every part of the law, why then we are under the curse of God. Well, that's us, isn't it? And then in Galatians 3, it holds us like a prisoner and like a guard awaiting the judgment of the condemnation. The role of the law is the opposite of what most Australians think. Most Australians think that being a Christian is to be a good person, or at least claim to be a good person. And how do you know what a good person is? It's someone who keeps the law. So the law was given so that we will be good, so that we will know God. But that's not the case at all. The law was given to show us we're not good. And there is no way to God. It does the exact reverse. Generally, Australians believe in what I call the Santa Claus myth. The Santa Claus myth is that Santa Claus will come to only come to good boys and good girls. But the Lord Jesus Christ, the reality, he's not the myth, he really comes, but whom does he come? He said, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, if you think you're good enough for God, that verse is not very helpful. But if you're like me and know what you're really like on the inside and know all those Ten Commandments and how you've broken them, that's terrific news. He's come for someone like me and no hope morally, a spiritually bankrupt person. That's who Jesus came for. What the commandments do is remind me of how sinful I am, show me God's standards, reminds me of my failure but it also encourages me to look forward to a redeemer. I can't do it myself, but God may come and do it for me. Well, our next carol is looking forward to the coming of the redeemer that Israel looked forward to for centuries. Um, During this carol, let me just do a little bit of housework, first of all. During this carol, you know the card that was given to you at the beginning? We asked you to help us just to know how best to advertise the cathedral. And so if at this moment you could finish filling that out, pass them along and the pencils to the aisle, our ushers will collect them during this hymn. So that's one less piece of paper for us to fall off our knee and have to juggle. So if you just pass those along to the aisle, that would be really helpful for us, please. And during this hymn, it's going to be a little bit different we're going to have the men sing. Always follow Ross. Watch Ross. He knows when to bring us in and when not to bring us in. The men only singing verse 2. The women only singing, women and children singing verse 3. Do we all sing the rejoice, rejoice in the chorus or not? Why not? And so each time we come to the rejoice, you can join in. By the time we reach the rejoice, ladies, we'll need you. But listen to us as we sing men verse 2, women and children verse 3 and all of us on verses 1, 4 and 5 and pass those cards along and let's sing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. That's the prayer for centuries. Still the prayer of our world, isn't it? Because there are so many people still sitting in darkness. So many people still sitting under the shadow of death. So many people still living in a messed up world. And so we need to pray. And we're going to pray in a few moments. I'm going to lead in prayer and then we'll pray the Lord's Prayer. But Andrew's going to collect up some prayer points from this end of the cathedral and Chris is going to collect up some prayer points from this end of the cathedral. So why don't you walk down the aisle there, Andrew, and find out who it is that's got some point. What would you like us to pray about at Christmas time?
What's the mess in the world that needs fixing up? What are the problems that you know of Christmas that we really should be praying for? Chris, down the front you got there. Uh, comfort for those who are missing family, loved ones. Thank you. I'd like to pray that pedophilia will be exposed and those brought to trial and put away, that innocent children will be rescued and saved from the slaughter and the murder of these evildoers. In Syria. Amen. In here, in Australia, in Sydney and everywhere. Amen. Yeah, Chris. I'd like to pray for people who don't have homes to go to. I'd like to pray for people who... Don't have homes to go to. Oh, the homeless. Yes, indeed. That's a great shame in our society, isn't it? And it's really felt at Christmas time. Yes, Andrew. The families in Connecticut. Oh, yeah, the families in Connecticut. Can you imagine what their Christmas is like? In fact, I can't, can you? Just awful, awful. Yes, Chris. We pray for the Christians in Syria and in Egypt. Syria and Egypt in particular, yes. And, and all the places of world conflict that is still going. I see Andrew running for a last one along the back row there. I've lost sight of him. Um, for our family members that don't know Jesus. For our family members that don't know Jesus. Okay, let's pray. And on the back of the outline, you'll find the Lord's Prayer that we're going to finish with in a few moments. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it comes this Christmas time. We're particularly conscious of family of friendship and of peace and we are confronted by unhappiness, of broken relationships, of absent friends, of grieving for those who have died. And we do pray, Father, that you would help us in our sorrow and our suffering, help us in our relationships which can be so unhappy within families. Help us to be able to forgive and to be able to ask for forgiveness. Help us to contact those who are missing and to welcome people in. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray, Father, for the war-torn, troubled parts of the world and for Egypt and for Syria, for other parts, Afghanistan, Congo, there are so many parts of this world where people are still fighting each other, killing each other. We would pray, Father, especially for the women and the children who suffer the greatest. We pray for children in this world that there is such suffering, they are so often abused, and we do pray for your mercy and protection. You are the father of the fatherless, the husband of the widows. We pray especially, Father, for your protection for them in this time of trouble and difficulty and especially in those countries where there is such difficulty and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And we pray, Father, for those who don't have homes this Christmas. We live in such a fabulously wealthy nation and yet there are still people without home, without family, without friends, without sufficient food. We do pray, Father, that you would help us as a community to be able to so distribute the wealth of our land that no one be homeless and that we would care for those who are without shelter this Christmas time in particular but throughout the year 
in providing for them and caring for them. And so, Father, we pray for these people and the troubles and struggles that we have in life through Jesus our Lord. Amen. And finally, Father, we pray for these families in Connecticut. It's beyond our imagination. The suffering and difficulty of that town, Newtown in Connecticut, must be going through this Christmas in particular. We do pray that you would be with those families, that you would help them to care for each other and for the town to care for them as well, that you would be with their grieving, saddened hearts, that they might be lifted up to you. And we pray that each of them may come to know you and to trust you, even with their little ones. As indeed, Father, we pray for all those who this Christmas do not know the privilege of having Jesus as their Lord and you as their Father. And we ask this and all these things through Jesus Christ our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. God's preparation for Christmas was to redeem the people and to give them the law that they might understand their continuing captivity, their spiritual, moral captivity. That's what morality rules and regulations do even to this day, don't they? They hold us in our captivity. See, the law commands us to do things that we, we want to do and we don't do. And there are all kinds of other things we don't want to do that we do. I just think about that for a moment. If I don't do the things I want to and I do the things I don't want to, Who's in control of me? Sin or me? There is a problem, the captivity I have. And down the centuries, mankind had this captivity until one day, one day when the fullness of time had come, God acted and sent Emmanuel to come amongst us. When the fullness of time had come, God acted. And we're going to hear about that action if you would turn to that reading from Matthew chapter 1 and Shamian will read to us the gospel account of God's action in sending his son. The fourth reading on your second page from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, 
for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Strange, really. He was never called Emmanuel, as far as we know, or Manny, or any of the alternatives of Emmanuel. He was always called Jesus, even though he was God with us. He was called Jesus because when God came to be with us, he came as a saviour. And that's what the name Jesus means in Hebrew. It means saviour. It's the Greek version we have. Joshua is the really Hebrew version. It means the Lord saves. And that's what he came to do. Because remember our text, God's action was that he would send forth his son to be born of woman in order to redeem us. To be born under the law in order to ransom us. The Saviour, the Redeemer came. And when he came, the whole heavens opened up as the angels sang of the glory of God to the, to the shepherds in the field. We're going to join the choir on verse 4. They're going to be singing the first three verses. Rise up towards the end of verse 3. Ross will show us when and join in on verses 4 and 5. Came in beautifully, didn't you, on that word sinners. Wasn't a shocking verse to come in on. Have you ever sung that verse before? It's so strange. Hands up those who have sung that verse before can remember that verse. Yeah, there's only a few of us. Do you know why? Hasn't been in the hymn books for years. It was original. That's what was written by the man in the first place. But most hymn books are cut it out. Most Christmases cut it out because it just doesn't sound Christmassy, does it? To actually sing about sinners, doomed for guilt to endless pains. God himself fulfills your sentence. Jesus calls you, break your chains. But actually the hymn writer had it right. That's what Christmas is about. That's really what it's about. Oh sure, it's about joy and happiness, holidays and singing. All those things are true and they're right enough. But the very reason for our joy and our happiness and our holidays and our singing, the very reason is that Christ has fulfilled our sentence under the law to redeem us and rescue us from the law. Sinners, that's me, that's you, sinners filled with true repentance, doomed for guilt or endless pains, God himself fulfills your sentence. Now look what happens. Jesus calls, break your chains. He's paid the penalty that we do not have to be condemned. And so the call is to break free. Every year people have a happy Christmas and I hope that you'll have one too. But it's when you break the chains of your captivity to condemnation because Jesus has broken it for you, you won't just have a happy Christmas, you'll have a holy Christmas. And when you have a holy Christmas, it will move happiness to a new level that you've never experienced before. To be free, free of guilt, 
free of last, free from the law, free from sin, free to sing your heart out to the one who has done it for you. Christmas is fun because of what God has done for you in Christ Jesus. The choir's going to sing a fun chorus now, a fun carol now. But they've changed the words. Ross, why have you changed the words? Um, well, the tune is really nice. Uh, and I've often wanted to do Ding Dong, Merry on High on Christmas Eve. But I couldn't really live with myself with words that I think the original says, um, Pray you dutifully prime your matin chime, ye ringers. And may you beautifully rhyme your eve time song. And he goes, I O A O A O, which is fine if you're one of the seven dwarfs off to work. Um, but if you're not, then it may not mean much to you. So we thought we need to, need to have different words to this because it's such a great tune. So where did you get these new words from? Well, what we did um, uh, a few weeks ago, I put it on Facebook, my Facebook page actually, uh, and said, look, would anybody like to write some new words to this? And I was besieged by people. Some people said, why on earth would you want to change proper words? But lots of people, about 25 people from all over the world, just sent in friends um, just their suggestions for words. And uh, I sort of whittled it down to two or three. And then a chap um, who uh, used to work with me in Bristol in England uh, came up with some really fabulous words. Uh, and um, those are the ones which we're going to sing tonight. So we're going to enjoy this carol together as we listen to them sing it. But actually the words are going to be better than you've ever seen before. Uh, this is only the fourth time, it's not the world premiere, but the fourth time this week they've sung it. And here is a Facebook carol for you. Oh, how we've moved, how we've moved. Thanks, Ross. Well done and quite right too. We've covered two themes. We've yet got to come to God's purpose. But before we come to that, I don't want to do housekeeping at the end of the night. So before we come, let's do the housekeeping now. Chris, tell us what we need to know. Uh, Philip, we've got, I've got four announcements for you. The first is to thank you for coming and we hope that you've enjoyed your time at St Andrew's Cathedral. Uh, we've got lots of other things planned for you. You've got a little pamphlet with you telling you about our January preaching program. Lots of notices on your way as you go out. Uh, in a moment we're going to sing our, another hymn, the First Noel, and during that hymn we're going to take up a collection for the work of the cathedral here in the city. So I just give you that warning that our ushers will be coming through during the next hymn to take up a collection. Friends, if you've parked downstairs in the car park, in the cathedral car park downstairs, there is a $5 charge tonight, but you will need to have your cards validated. The validating machine is just over to my right, outside of the bookshop, the glass door there. There'll be an usher there waiting to show you how to do that. And then when you go downstairs, you'll need to um, stick your card in the big yellow machine and um, follow directions. Uh, friends, tomorrow... Um, if you're able to come, it would be fantastic to see you. We have three services, 8.30, 10am and 5. 8.30 will be Holy Communion, 10am the choir will be here with the Archbishop and 5 o'clock uh, we'll round it off for the evening. Please uh, come along, you're invited. Friends, as I just said, we're now about to stand. Our ushers will wait on you as we take up a collection. We're going to sing the first Noel. Noel is the old English spelling for Christmas. Let's stand and sing. Third theme, very simple. We've done all the hard work now. Look at the verse again. The purpose of the coming of the Son of God to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. That's why Jesus was born. That's why Jesus came into the world. As the scripture says, 
the saying is trustworthy and deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. If you're not a sinner, Jesus is of no relevance to you. I don't know this person that's not a sinner. He's very relevant to you. That's why he's come. He's come for you. And you, and you, and you, and you, and I, yeah, for me. Absolutely. And how did he save sinners? By redeeming them out of slavery. The slavery to the law which condemns us. How did he save us from the law which condemns us? Because he placed himself under the law. In my place and in your place, as a man, God became man to live under the law and to receive our condemnation for us so that we can go free. It's marvellous, isn't it? But that's what it's about. Even Jesus himself described it in these words, for even the Son of Man, the way he talked of himself, even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Well, what we've got to do about it? All we can do is repent. Break the chains, repent. I used to go this way, I'm not going to go that way anymore. I'm going to turn around and go this way now. Turn back from our sinfulness and ask him for the forgiveness. And so on the back of our outline, our service here, you'll see a confession and I'm going to lead in this confession now and I ask you to pray along with me that we may turn back from our sin and accept the forgiveness that he's won for us. Let's pray together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you so loved the world that you gave your one and only Son, that we may share eternal life with you. We confess that we have failed to love you as we should or to love our neighbours as ourselves. We have done things that we should not have done and left undone things which we should have done. We have no right to ask for your forgiveness except that we ask in the name of Jesus our Saviour, who gave himself for our sins to redeem us from your law's demands. So please, Father, in the name of Jesus, forgive us and pardon us that we may live a new life as your children for your praise and glory. The Scriptures say, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For there's one God and there's one mediator between God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. Well, we've been looking at one verse, the little one in red up there, one verse this Christmas. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we may, become, we may receive adoption as sons. If you know the forgiveness that Jesus Christ has won for you in his death and resurrection, then can I enjoy you with all others? O oh, come, all you faithful, joyful and triumphant.
Come, let's sing his praise right now. Wonderful. But I'm going to have to ask you to sit down. The choir, thank you. I'm supposed to tell you about the summer preaching program of which you've got a card to tell you to take away this little essay on Atheist Christmas and make sure when you're finished reading it, pass it on to some friends. To tell you about the gingerbread that we've got outside, please take the gingerbread. We've been cooking it all week. The congregation members have just been cooking gingerbread. You go into a congregation member's house now, it smells gingerbread. So please take it with you as our gift to you. And then I've just been told the most ridiculous announcement ever, and I'm not quite sure how to deal with this one, but I will remind you of a parable that Jesus told how some people went out in the field and worked all day and others were called in later in the day and the ones who worked all day got the same pay as the ones who came later in the day and the ones who worked all day were miffed by that and Jesus said, I am the Lord, I can give to whomever I wish. You remember that parable? Well, those of you who did the right thing and came early and have uh, got your cards now for the cards all sorted out and so you're going down to pay your $5... King's Car Park has taken over our car park recently and they had dudded us on this $5. So during this service, our administrator has been yelling down the ear of the telephone, politely reasoning with them in the telephone and for all those who haven't done the right thing but now want to do the right thing, it costs you nothing. And those of you who came early and laboured all day, please don't complain because there's a parable in the Lord Jesus Christ gives about exactly this problem, doesn't he? So, hey, it's Christmas. Bear with us. And if you turned up at 11 o'clock, it would cost you nothing. In fact, you can come back at 11 o'clock anyway, but make sure you're with us tomorrow. And I'm sorry about that $5. It's all going to the wrong king. But there you go. (laughs) How about we pray? The blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Be with you and your family, your neighbours, your friends, this Christmas and forevermore. Amen. Wish you all a happy Christmas.